You're listening to the Fezcast, produced on behalf of the Saracen Supporters Association and featuring the independent thoughts, rants and rambles of Saracen's fans and special guests. If you'd like your opinion to be heard on the show, you can find the Fezcast on Facebook or Fezcast underscore SSA on Instagram and whatever Twitter is known as these days. But for now, enjoy this week's show. You're listening to the Fezcast. Everybody and welcome to a another edition of the Fezcast. And uh, joining me, um, well, it's basically to give two um, two sides of the curious egg of the weekend, really, of uh, performances. Matt, who was freezing his taters off at uh, at Stonex, and and Joe, who was freezing freezing herself off the fingers and digits. I mean, kept taking photographs, no doubt, at the Quinns game. So uh, yeah, uh, a good result and a bad result. Um, first of all. How are you? How, you doing all right, Joe? Yes, yes, yes. I'm glad to use third fingers. Um, <laughs> yes, it, it was it was nippy. I was in I was in the crowd um, in in the stand, which was a really good turnout actually. But we'll we'll cover that a bit later. But nicely thawed out now, and uh, just enjoying the warm for today, and see what see what the next couple of weeks brings. Yeah, nothing controversial to discuss there, Joe. Of course, no. No, uh, nothing at all. Uh, Matt, yeah, I mean, I said you were at Stonex for the. Uh, for what was a pretty insipid performance, really. It was, yeah. It was one of those. We do tend to have some of those in December, um, and I always know when I when I buy my season ticket, you just got to you just got to accept that there's going to be some games where you feel like it was a little bit of a uh, uh, not a waste of your day because I still enjoyed the day with a few people. But yeah, same as Joe, just about thawed out, and yeah, it wasn't a particularly warming performance. But we'll get onto that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, the first thing we need to discuss is the big news this week. And um, yeah, Owen Farrell. I mean, we discuss Owen. Last week's show was entitled Rude, uh, which was <laughs> in a direct quote from from Faz. Um, and then midweek, he announces that he's going to take a step back from international rugby um, because of the abuse that he's been getting, but not only him, his family, you know, and it's just, I've had enough. We just, just discussed off air. I've deactivated my Twitter. I'm taking a big, big step back from social media myself. I just, these people, they thrive off it. And you know, I saw the, I'm going to say it now because we're you'd have to press the explicit button on this one. But I saw the shit that Owen was getting, even in a moment when he's made an announcement to say, "Look, my mental health isn't in the right place. I need to take a step back." And for a man like Owen Farrell, who is so committed, and who we've said on so many occasions is, uh, you know, has got the single-minded determination that he could get through that. Um, and yet he can't continue on, and people are seeing that as a as an opportunity to have another pop at him. People, let's just do bloody better, can we, please? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with it. It's just been it's just been so much of it in 
in the in the media and on so, social media re- recently. You know, we were only discussing um, a few weeks ago Wayne Barnes and his retirement for very similar reasons. Um, you only had to look at um, some of the um, players' reactions after the England women were footballers were playing um, against Netherlands this week, and poor Mary Earps threw upon her sword and has had a few digs on social media as well. And, you know, these people need need protecting um, because, you know, if, if people just want to spend their, their whole entire time trolling people, then, well, there's just, there's, there's no place in society for that kind of stuff. They're sports people that are playing the games that they love, trying to entertain fans. And we all know that the genuine fans out there um, would never dream of articulating some of the thoughts and some of the words that have come out on social media and um, and, and other places over recent weeks. And it's just, um, yeah, just be kind, people, for, for goodness sake. I mean, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, Owen Farrell or Wayne Barnes or other people who are in the public eye, whether that be in the world of politics or, you know, films, music, whatever it may be, at the end of the day, all they're doing is doing a job that 99% of the country couldn't do. You know, you, me, anybody, we cannot play rugby the same way as Owen Farrell plays rugby. We cannot do this, that, or the other the same as anybody else does. So, you know, these trolls, these are people who are not even fit to lace up a pair of boots and yet they feel the right i mean i think there's a difference i think you know what we do is we criticize i've got a criticism of christoph ridley from the saracens game that we will we will pull out but it's a criticism it's not me turning around and saying oh you got that wrong therefore i'm gonna spit on your family the next time i see him or whatever honestly you know i mean and the actions of these trolls matt makes it more difficult for us to make those genuine constructive criticisms as part of our role. Yes, is it? I mean, I think anyone that's sort of expecting nobody within sport to come across any, you know, strong criticism, I think that's never going to happen. At the end of the day, anyone that's in the public eye, you mentioned things like politics, anyone that's in the, in the public eye is going to be held to a higher standard than me. (laughs) Um, Because they're in, everyone's a bit more sensitive to what, what goes on in the media. Um, but like you said, there's a, there's a massive difference between criticism, constructive criticism and abuse. Um, it can be such a gray area because you can offend someone when you don't mean to. Um, but I think the, the biggest issue here is beyond rugby. It's beyond anything. It's social media itself. I'm a firm believer in that in order to have a presence on social media, you need to be, attributable to your own actions and your own comments. You need to be traced back um, in what you're saying. And it would, you know, it probably wouldn't stop trolling and it wouldn't stop anyone saying anything particularly abusive. Um, But it would make people actually think about what they're saying before they say it, because it can be, you know, it can come back to bite them a little bit. Um, But yeah, I mean, going back to Owen, um, hopefully he's done the right thing for himself. Um, I think we could see over the last few weeks, we, we've we've commented it on it already without really knowing exactly what's going on in Owen's head. 
that he has been blowing a little bit hot and cold performance-wise, some brilliant moments and some slightly daft moments. Um, I, you know, still, you know, last weekend I had an issue with just how aggressive he was towards the referee, obviously not knowing what his situation was. Personally, you know, still doesn't make it much better, but it is a bit more understandable maybe how he was feeling. Um, and maybe just taking a little bit of time out and enforced layoff this weekend with a with a little niggly injury as well might just help him reset himself a little bit. And I really hope that whatever he decides to do, he's able to just come back and enjoy what he's doing, whether that's playing for Saracens, playing for England, whatever. Um, that's all you can really hope for someone who's given an awful lot to the game um, and actually deserves to get something out of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I thought it was um, wonderful yesterday, the way that Saracens fans, and I'm sure a fair amount of Northampton Saints fans as well, Matt, appreciated Owen and stood up and applauded him and let him know. And it's a sign of the man as well that, you know, he was at the ground yesterday. He is club captain and he did not forget that side of it. And he's, you know... One, it was hugely brave of him to stand up there and say, look, my mental health's taking a taking a toll here and my family, you know, I'm going to protect my family. That was hugely brave and courageous. And brave and courageous is a word in sport in particular that is is bandied around along with heroic far too much. I always find, you know, when you say that was an heroic tackle, no, it wasn't. It was just a tackle. That's what you're paid a lot of money to do. Um, you know, I, I, but... In certain cases, it does. It, it is important, and it is right to use that. And I think coming out yesterday in front of the cameras and putting himself out there and showing that look, I'm taking a break, but I'm you know I'm still part of this, and I'm not going to hide away. And you know, and promoting that conversation, I think Mark McCall's been very good, and I think. A lot of people in the world of rugby, James Haskell's one who's come out. And, you know, I mean, James Haskell's probably having a little bit of a look at himself and thinking, you know, the Archbishop of Banterbury and all of that sort of stuff. You know, what has he contributed to it? But he's doing the right thing. He's making the right the right noises. There's a few people who've just reported it and reporting it isn't enough. You have to condemn the behaviour that you are reporting upon as well. I um, mean, you know, and people like Rugby Pass and everything who are the, you know, they do their clickbait articles or whatever. They need to do better and they need to self-reflect, I think. But yeah, Owen's just been hugely brave, hasn't he, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. And I think anyone that takes um, that stance, whether they're out there in the public eye or whether they're just, as I would put in an inverted commas, a normal member of the public, you know, um, it, it really takes something to identify that and take that break, whether you're taking a break from, from work, whether you're taking a break from a passion, whether you're taking a break from whatever it is to help you. You just have to do that sometimes. Um, and and uh, he, Owen will undoubtedly have um, people around him, his family and friends that he can go and talk to. And, and that's really important as well. And, you know, we've we've had mental health week recently. We've had men's mental health this week. Um, in the last month or so. Um, and, you know, I've always been um, a huge passionate advocate in, in my own work life as well of sort of saying, you know, it's good to talk. Um, and I know that um, guys don't always find that. And it's a really, really brave thing to do. And I would always say, you know, um, there's always someone to talk to. Um, there's always someone to share a problem with. 
Um, and, you know, people who are in the Fez cast, you know, and and people at Saracens will always have, a, have an ear. Um, so I think that's a really important message. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I reiterate that, Joe, and say, if Owen does ever listen to the Fez cast or anybody from the club listens to the Fez cast, please pass on our best wishes to the skipper um, and, you know, tell him that we and by wider world of Saracens fans and true rugby fans are behind Owen and any other players who find themselves in this situation and and needing that help. So we have a break there and then we'll come back and we'll um, talk about criticising in the right way. Uh, We've got a a game against um, Saints to review, haven't we? Yeah. (laughs) You're listening to the Fezcast. Hi, Alex Osterbury here, Director of Rugby for Saracens Women. You're listening to the Saracens Fezcast. This is the Fezcast. Right, well, back with part two of this week's Fezcast. And yeah, I mean, we've we've gone through the whole um, let's give everybody support and all of that side of things. But yesterday um, was not a great performance for Saracens men against Saints. And I mean, the first thing to say, Matt, is I rang my mum afterwards um, and her comment was, you wonder how much the Owen Farrell story of the week affected the the team, the squad, the club. It has to have had an effect, hasn't it? 100%, yeah. Um, I, I don't know what Owen's presence was at the game other than wearing plain clothes and signing a million autographs. To be honest, I didn't really notice him around the pitch and that was obviously his decision to make. Whether he appeared in the dressing room at all to say anything as captain or not, absolutely no idea. Um, But for all my issue with his slightly more aggressive approach to captaincy than than many, um, as a team, I think we did need to kick up the backside at 80 different points during during that game. Um, Maru Itoji was the skipper on the day. Um, a very different type of, of captain, a very calm, considered character, um, but not a particularly fiery character. Um, and dare I say it, we need our captain to be somewhere in between the two. <laughs> well, I absolutely. I mean, that brings us on to to the one moment that we had a bit of an argument about on, on WhatsApp. And, you know, I mentioned Christoph Ridley who I think is a very good referee, and I did think he actually refereed the game pretty pretty well, um, other than the fact that I do think Courtney Laws, we, well, we know where Josh van der Fleer's uh, cloak of invisibility went to, because obviously Courtney managed to pilfer it and use it yesterday, because he got away with quite a few, including an elbow into, I'm not sure whose mush it was, but I think it might be Andy Christie or one Martin Gonzalez at a, um, at a mall where he's thrown the elbow back straight into the face. And nobody said a word. And we were sat there watching the team. Well, they could go back and have a look at that one, aren't they? But no, it didn't. But yeah, the one incident where we got a penalty and then it was turned over because Billy Vanapola reacted when he couldn't get the ball back quick. Now, there's two things here to say. And I'll let Joe come into this as almost like the mediator on this one because me and Matt have had the two and throw already. Um, Um, Point one, I do agree with Matt in so much as that Billy, senior player, shouldn't have reacted in that way. Should have just kept on going after the ball. However, 
my problem was that it wasn't stamped on quick enough. All ref and you see it an awful lot of time. The referee's giving away the penalty, and then if a player's going after the ball and he's having to fight for it, and then he throws one. Well, I'm sorry, the penalty needs to go 10 metres back and then have a word with the player and say, look, that's your first first one. Okay, we don't like that. You don't take it into your own hands. I'm the referee. I'll get on with it. And, you know, what that meant there by by the referee turning around and penalising Billy, yes, he might have gone over the top with it, but penalising him. If I'm a back row player for Northampton Saints, next time they we give away a penalty, I'm just hanging on to the ball and waiting for waiting for the penalties to be, you know, and and I, I think he got that one slightly wrong. Yes, it's right to ad, ad, admonish Billy, but the penalty still was compounded by the fact that Billy found himself in that position, which he should have done better with. Does that make sense, Joe? It, it, it does. Um, and I have seen a few of the highlights, um, uh, although that wasn't, wasn't one of them. Um, but... Um, I do, I do agree, and and I've obviously been party to the WhatsApp debate, and we'll call it a debate, and we won't get quite in the ring yet with the boxing gloves on, um, because I'll just call it a draw. Um, but, <laughs> too, but I think, I, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think um, you know you, you can. I, I do agree, Jez, in 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 some ways with you. I also agree with Matt when he comes back in in a second, um, and I think. The referee is always in a difficult position. We've always we've always had this conversation, and um, there are better referees than others. I thought from the highlights that I saw um, uh, late yesterday that actually overall we didn't do a bad job, Mister Ridley, um, and it was a, it was a fair refereeing. Um, I think the the important thing that any player and any fan wants to see is consistency, and I think as long as they have some consistency across the game. And that doesn't ruin the game. Then actually, you you can you're always in for some for some good entertainment. And I've not really answered that because I'm going to sit quite uncomfortably on a fence here, so that I don't have to split you two up or make um a, a ruling um on, on the on the boxing match. Well, I, that's fair enough, Joe. I mean, what I will say to Matt, and I'm sure Matt will agree with me, in so much as that looking at the performance as a whole, as much as Billy probably went too far. If we'd shown only if the other players on the pitch had shown seventy five percent of that aggression in that situation, we would have done an awful lot better, wouldn't we, Matt? Yeah, it's about the only time we came to life during the game, so yeah, I can't <laughs> deny that. Um, yeah, oh, there's always this this um, insinuation that we're going to suddenly come to blows the two of us. <laughs> it never happens, does it? Um, no, look. Always verbal blows. That's all exactly, it is. exactly. And, and most of the time, I'm just trying to wind Jez up because it's remarkably easy to do. But um, the the issue I have is that you watch any game of rugby. If a penalty is given against a team, they are always trying to keep hold of the ball and just slow things down. It is part and parcel of the game. It happens at pretty much every penalty that has ever been given in rugby. Um, and what also happens any time someone gives someone a shove in the face is you get penalised for it. Um, it's not a new thing. Every referee's going to do it. There was absolutely no need anyway. There was, it was pointless taking that penalty quickly because there was no one really there to actually help to do it. Um, we were in a good attacking position. Um, that ball could have gone in the corner. I'm not going to say it could have changed the game because New- Newcastle, Northampton's mall defence was... Perfect. So we might not get anything out of it anyway. 
Um, but it's just a little petulant moment when the game was pretty even, but we did need to get back into it. And yeah, it was just absolutely no need for it. It's, it's a massive overreaction. And you see any time anything like that happens, whoever reacts the worst is the one that gets penalised. And we're going to talk about that for the women's game as well. I, I think they are. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, you know, I'm... It, <sighs> It didn't have any impact on the game whatsoever, I don't think. But it was just one of those things that got on my nerves a little bit that we've done ourselves out of one of the rare attacking positions that we actually had during the game. And Billy is a is a repeat offender for silly little things like that. So, you know, we've got to learn. Absolutely. Well, I mean, this is the big problem, isn't it? And I mean, we do need to talk about the wider game. And as you mentioned it there, Matt, um, you know, Saints did a job on us, worked us out. Um, well done to Phil Dowson and in particular Lee Radford's um, in defence for a bloke who's only just come into rugby union from a long playing and coaching career in rugby league. Lee Radford has sorted out Saints because, as they were saying on commentary, and Lawrence Delalio was very keen on, on pointing out, last year Saints would have lost that game, he, playing as badly as... Saracens had were playing because they had a soft underbelly and in a close season Lee Radford has sorted that out um, you know we did mention last week didn't we we mentioned about eight or nine teams out of ten that could be in the playoffs yeah that playoff situation is becoming very very congested and it will be defenses I think that will will win this 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 league this year you know, as much as we've developed, and again, you know, the guys on commentary and everything were very keen on talking about how Saracens have, have lost this tag of being the the you know, stick out the jumper players and have actually, you know, scored more tries than anybody else. At the end of the day, we're letting in more tries than we have ever done. And it has cost us on a couple of occasions now. As yeah. Um it was you know, we, we didn't deserve anything out of that game. Um but we can also say that the, the two tries that Northampton scored, both down the same wing, both after a ruck that just seemed to have no one around it and they could just run straight over the top of it and score down the wing, that's not something that we normally do. Um, that defence was pretty shoddy. Um, I'm not going to sit here and, and say that anyone in particular was at fault, but it was it was just pretty bad. Um, but the, where Northampton managed to gain territory was chucking the ball out wide and going for it. And we just seemed really, really reluctant to do that. Um, particularly the first half, I I mean, I nearly fell asleep just watching Alex Good, particularly Alex Good, to be honest, just hoof the ball up in the air. And actually he himself, a couple of times, actually just turned his back on it. Um, it wasn't even sort of setting himself up for it to be returned to him. He was just sort of kicking it up in the air and turning around and walking backwards again. And, and you had either Maitland or um, or Parton trying to chase it down and no one else really looking that bothered. Um, that did change in the second half. Our, our kick chase suddenly looked a bit more energised. And I think it really was with um, Ollie Hartley and Alex Lewington both coming on. Um, but yeah, it just looked really sort of, half-hearted the whole thing um and yeah Northampton's win was built on solid defense really really solid defense shutting us down quickly um and making the most of a couple of opportunities that they got and yeah we just weren't at the races at all and sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and say yep 
is what it is. Absolutely. I mean, that's the comments I've seen online as well on the fans forum and whatever is that, you know, everybody's disappointed. And I don't, and I think there will be nobody more disappointed than the lads who are out on the field. Uh, you know, Jamie George summed it up midway through the first half when they went to him on the sideline and they said, you know, what's going wrong? What's happening? He went, we're just too soft. And he came on and we weren't, didn't really get any 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 harder really I mean it was I just it was, Theo Dan I thought had a reasonable game threw better in the line out than, than Jamie did and made some bursts Tom Parton every time he got the ball he looked dangerous really really dangerous but he just didn't get the ball and as you say um, Hartley and Lewington coming on did up us a bit but the only other player, Juan Martin Gonzalez, had a good game, I thought. You know, that that literally was it, really, wasn't it, Joe? Yeah, and I thought um, Mark McCall's um, summing up of it at the end of the game, actually, was he was very honest and forthright. He talk about, talked about the lack of energy, particularly in the first half. He talked about the physicality being below the standards he would normally expect of the team. Um, so, you know, I think... Um, you know, he, he he really sort of hit the nail on the head and just sort of said, you know, Northampton were the better team today. Yeah, and I think, and they were. yeah, they were absolutely. I mean, I think this is the thing, isn't it? You know, there's obviously an element of we've certainly gone through five games where we're all going, oh, well, we're back, you know, and there's, you know, we're, we're looking pretty unstoppable. We're looking, you know, but the rhyme was on the wall against Bristol because we did not perform against Bristol at all. I think if Bristol had played like they did against Gloucester in the first half yesterday, particularly with Harry Randall, the way that he played, he was superb, written himself into an England squad there, I think, yesterday. Um, but, yeah, they could easily have done a job on us as well. Uh, and, you know, the gap between us and the rest is a lot smaller, and it may well be that some of them, some teams are a little bit ahead of us. I think that Quinns game really did... Uh, sort of like a bit of smoke and mirrors there. I mean, Quinn's not turning up and we're putting points on them. We suddenly thought, oh, yeah, we've got this sorted, haven't we? The interesting thing is if there's an element of tiredness, if there is an element of lethargy in the in the camp, which would appear to be there now we're looking at the, the last two performances, they've now got a long flight down to South Africa for this weekend's game in Pretoria against the Bulls. Okay, it'd be nice with a bit of sun on their back and everything like that, but I fear for that. And then coming back to a Connaught team that are in real good form, really physical, how well are we going to cope in the next two weeks, Matt? It is um, it is a bit of a worry, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's not often that we play really badly two weeks in a row. Having said that, we did that at the start of the season. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, there's there's a lot to go on, and, and it'd be interesting to know actually what the um, what the sort of timetable is for Saracens over the next few weeks. Um, as myself and my dad were walking away from from yesterday's game, we both sort of said, "Well, I hope they're on the plane to South Africa tonight." Like, just get down there, get on with it, yeah. be in the sun all week, acclimatise to it, and then come straight back and get used to zero degrees playing against Connacht later on. And it, you know, it doesn't get any better. We've got a uh, got a Friday night at sale after that, just before Christmas, to to look out for. So it's um, it is a tough run, um, but it, you know, it's the sort of run that um, 
this is where we do see see where our season is. I think. Um, I mean, historically, we have got out of bed for Champions Cup games. Um, we've often gone into them looking a bit undercooked, and all of a sudden, we've blown the team away. Um, just don't know. Uh, but. <sighs> Well, this is the interesting thing, isn't it? The one thing that I will bring in here, and we'll do it very, very briefly, because I think otherwise we could have a programme entirely about it. But with salary caps and all of this sort of thing, with smaller squads, you're asking players to do an awful lot. And, you know, as much as when we talked about first half, Owen Farrell's mental health, this should be treated as as an injury, no different to doing a, a knee or an ankle or whatever. He needs that time away there's an awful lot of players there who are playing an awful lot more rugby. And if we are actually caring about players' mental health, we need to also care about their physical health because that has an impact on their mental health as well. And we're asking them to do an awful lot more than they were 10 seasons ago, Joe. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, travelling... You know, down into the Southern Hemisphere in itself is a trek in itself, coming back, um, not having a break. You know, they've had long summers as well um, with World Cups and other bits and pieces. So, yeah, um, I can completely understand people being rested, people be having taken some time out, whether it's international or club rugby, and just to get themselves reset. And I think actually... They probably get the support of Saracens to do that because if they're not playing at their best and not feeling at the best in individually, then um, they're not going to perform for the team. So um, I think it's um, and that and that doesn't matter what sport you're playing in. I think um, that, that happens across the board, really. Absolutely. I mean, if only there was a template out there for how you can play your players a certain amount and then look after them and make sure you could have more players. Yeah, that was another conversation I got in on uh, on social media, which I shall, uh, shall do a timeout on. Yes, indeed. All right, let's let's uh, let's finish that one there and then we'll come back and have a good chat about a, a good result and a team at Saracens who truly are flying at the moment. You're listening to the FezCast. You're listening to the FezCast which is proudly sponsored by the Saracen Supporters Association. And I'm Alison Davis, one of the SSA committee. For a £10 annual subscription, the SSA provides our members with monthly newsletters, virtual and in-person player events, away match ticket allocations, and we organise pre-match gatherings at away matches. We sponsor men's and women's players, and we support the Saracens Foundation Track Club on behalf of our members. On top of all that... Every year we have a seasonal SSA badge, which is exclusive to members. Where else can you get that much value for a tenner? Join now at membermojo.co.uk forward slash SSA or come and see us on match day in the Oasis at the Stonex. This is the Fezcast. So I suppose we've done the ugly and the bad, and now we're we're going to reverse and do the do the good, shall we? I mean, it's in our Clint Eastwood show here. Um, the good uh, Saracens women, Joe, they are absolutely motoring at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, Derby weekend, one of the uh, biggest games of the season, and playing away at, at Twickenham Stoop is always um, good value. Really good turnout from the crowd on what was quite a dark and dismal and freezing cold afternoon um, in West London. 
Um, but the 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 girls pulled it out with an excellent thirty one nil win. So um, I think um, across the board, I mean, there's there's again um, comments being made. We know that that Zoe unfortunately um, had a one match ban this week and was therefore unable to play. Uh, but I, what I really do want to make a point of is saying how brilliantly Amelia McDougall slotted into that 10 shirt because um, you would never know that she's an 18-year-old playing in that 10 shirt in the Surrey squad and certainly didn't look out of place yesterday. Um, all over the pitch, offloading the ball, great tackling, no fear from an 18-year-old and a sublime crossfield kick um, to land Paige Farries, her opening try for in a Saracen shirt. Um, really well played, very impressed. Clearly, she's learning a lot from Zoe. You could have turned round from a distance and said Zoe was on the pitch. I mean, the only thing that she didn't do was kick off, kick off the tee. Um, but when you got Sophie de Goody, who can um, uh, kick him from every side of the pitch um, and stick him across the bar as well, then um, what, why do you need number 10 that can do that as well? So um, the talent out there was just brilliant. Um, first 20 minutes, um, Quinns were embedded in the Saris 22 and I think that was probably the cause of their frustration for the rest of the game and we'll discuss some of the issues that, um, that, that came in afterwards. But um, the defence from the Saris girls was just absolutely immense. Um, Probably themselves not lucky to get a yellow card, but they did get a warning and and change up their discipline. Um, and actually, after after that, getting their warning from the ref, um, I think that they were they were bob on, um, really really good, um, really consistent across the team. The forwards were just immense, um, and and backed up uh, by the backs who were just all over the pitch. Um, yeah, and uh, one thing I will I will just put in from from a uh, Saracen Supporters Association. It's really, really sad to see Karis Phillips get um, badly injured um, in the first five minutes. Just signed for Quinns this week. Um, looked like a really, really nasty injury and um, hope that um, she gets well soon um, because not nice to see anyone stretched off the pitch, certainly in a um, in the first five minutes of a debut and delayed the game by, by a good 10, 15 minutes as well. Yeah, well, uh, you know, all our best wishes go out, as it would do to any player from any club injured in, you know, any injuries, full stop. Um, one player I think we ought to mention, given her central um, role in the uh, controversies at the end, but someone, I think you described her, Matt, as a bit scrappy-do, um, which is a cultural reference that shows your age. Uh, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, oh, shaggy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, Sydney Gregson doing her best Nick Tompkins impression when Nick Tompkins wasn't being Nick Tompkins on the weekend, Matt. Pretty much, yep. Um, someone that we've discussed a little bit, um, she had quite a bad injury um, not too long ago and was was out of the side pretty much for an entire year, came back in last season and and looked pretty good. And I think, yeah, started this year <clears throat> as one of our better players. Um, I was watching on the stream for as long as I possibly could. And unfortunately, that meant that I didn't see a huge amount of the rugby because, yeah, unfortunately, Karis Phillips... It was a long, long time getting her off the pitch, so all the all the best to her. But from from what I did see, um, our front row was dominant. 
Um, Donna Rose in particular was chucking herself around um, everywhere. Um, and the other one noticed as well, Joe jo mentioned um, Amelia McDougall, but I think um, she had a little bit of backup um, from Sophie Bridger um, playing in the centres as well, just giving her that little extra op- option, kicking the ball away. Um, and probably bringing a little bit of confidence into the game for her as well. So, yeah, a, a great performance all round. Um, but, yeah, back to back to Sydney. Um, <laughs> and the other bit of the game that I did manage to see, um, which was the last 30 seconds of the game, um, we talk about overreacting to um, um, someone wanting the ball. Um, I mean, yeah, Sydney is a scrappy player. Um, wanted the ball off of a Harlequins player right at the end of the game just to get rid of it. Um, got it, gave her a shove, and... Um, I saw it on the stream. Joe was there. I'll let Joe describe what happened next. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm struggling to remember the name of the Queen's player that had hold of the ball. Um, I know that she's a very young player and it was probably meant in a protective way, but the shove came from the Queen's player on Sydney first. Um, Sydney gave a shove back, shoved the Queen's player into Emily Robinson and Emily Robinson decided that she was just come like a ball, head down, straight into Sydney's face. Um, and uh, the final whistle had already gone. Sobs came flying onto the pitch, left, right and centre. Um, and you talk about Donna Rose flying around the pitch. I've, I've never seen Donna Rose move quite so fast, um, get on the pitch. Um, but I actually think that the referee did an absolutely superb job in sorting that one out because that could have delved into an absolute ruckus. Um, and he did really well in separating them out, getting everyone back into their respective places, subs off the pitch, nice calm conversation with his lines person um, and justifiably a red card, which will probably see that Queen's player banned for, I would think, six weeks plus. I think it's worth mentioning as well. I, I might have this wrong, but I believe it was Rachel Burford from Quinns who actually was pretty instrumental as well in just stopping any additional yes. issues. So fair play to the rest of the Quinns players. Yeah, but both both Rachel Burford and Ellie Kildun definitely were winning there, just sort of the sort of senior players and just calmed calmed that down. Um, it's one of those things that happens in games that players will particularly high attention or and I've it's happened to me on more than one occasion when you've been playing and you've been thumped and 31 nil at this level is a bit of a thumping and it only takes someone and I think I mentioned it before the one thing I always used to hate was when someone used to turn around and say oh well stuck at it mm-hmm. and you just think you patronize and get and all you want to do is hit them and then you realize you'd lose the fight as well so you, you control it back and you don't do it the issue there with the Quinn's player is that she's thought about it She's gone for it. And in the two, three seconds it's taken her to go to 10 metres to throw the head, she hasn't thought, this is a bit daft. <laughs> and and she's carried on. And that's what's going to cause a problem. We'll hark back to the Billy Villapola thing. Yeah, okay, penalised. We've agreed that, yeah, he's done wrong. But it was very much in the moment. It was like he hasn't thought. He's just done something and reacted immediately. In a situation where you see a player come from five metres back and do that, that's not going to play out very well and shouldn't play out very well, and it should be used now. Shame for the player, 
because she'll be sat there this morning thinking, what a dick I've been. <laughs> you know? And she, she, I'm, I'm sure she'll have apologised to Sydney after the game. And she would have been told to apologise to Sydney after the game by her coaching team and her, by her captain, because that's what good captains and good coaching teams do. But an example needs to be set. Exactly the same with Zoe Harrison. You know, sit there thinking it's a, it's a, a hair pulled a week before. A one-match ban that sends the message out. Don't do it. You know, you see a lot more long hair in women's rugby, obviously, for the obvious reasons. And the temptation's there. I used to play with long hair, like Sebastian Chabelle. And the amount of times it got pulled back. And you do it. Oh, well, just... Let's move on from that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it was, it's, you know, the... These situations, in the same as with, you know, like we start the show off, we're talking about Owen Farrell. Someone's caught out doing something like this. You need to throw the book at them in a certain extent, but then help them afterwards. Say, look, you're going to get punished for this, but let's sit down and have a talk about it. You know, let's make sure it doesn't happen again for that player. And I do think Emily Robinson, the player involved, will have had a, a strong hard look at herself. And, and certainly... Um, despite it being such a ri- rivalry between between Quinns and Surrey's, there's a lot of friendships there as well. Um, and after the game, the players were mixing. It was all high fives and and hugs and handshakes, including with Sydney and Emily. That you know, and a, a conversation I know I know was had. Um, it, she she will reflect on that, and I'm sure she um, regrets her decision because if she doesn't then she's got an issue but I but I've no doubt when she goes in front of the site commission um that she will be offering some sneerest uh, apologies there um and and she'll come back a, a strong stronger player but it's you know as you've mentioned there Jez you know it's something for everyone then to just have a think about you know red mist is is there and underlying in everybody and anyone says you haven't got it is a bit of a liar um but it's how they manage that and I think, as I mentioned at the start when we first start discussing the, the women's game, I think Quinns were very, very frustrated at their luck at ability to break down the Saracens' defence. They had three other yellow cards during that game as well um, for deliberate knock-ons, not rolling away, uh, repeated infringements. Um, uh, and I think they were just frustrated and that really came just to a, to a head, if you'll excuse the pun. Uh, <laughs> and use that one. Title of the podcast, if you like. Yeah. Um, well, from, we, we should say as well, we did have a quick word with Sydney, didn't we? And um, her head is fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what Sydney's like at the end of the game. She's usually she's usually got a bloody nose or a cut above her head. There was no there was no injury, and I think um, although it looked terrific on um, on the TV screen and actually live. Um, you, you could argue it's more of a glancing blow because Sydney is quick and she reacted and saw it coming. So um, Sydney is fine. Um, I think she was very shocked that it that it came because it's not the sort of thing that you see in women's rugby. And thankfully, you don't see it in rugby an, an awful lot. Um, but particularly in w- women's rugby, you don't often see that kind of reaction. The player's lost her head um, and... Um, you know, she will have to serve the repercussions from that. It was a it was a disappointing end to to the game, um, but overall, from from the Saracens' perspective, clearly really really good result. Another bonus point win, sticks them at the top of the table. Three weeks in, 
nice little week off next week for the players um, where we should have been playing Worcester Warriors, unfortunately, and then a nice couple of games um, before Christmas away at Leicester Tigers and then at home against Bristol Bears, which is on TNT for those of you that um, are interested and not able to come to the game. Brilliant. Well, look, Joe, Matt, I think, uh, yeah, before we lose our heads and start throwing nuts around and everything like that, <laughs> we'll say, uh, I, I, what I will say is the one lesson to learn, I re- remember playing rugby with a guy called Paul Cross and he always used to say, don't get mad, guess even. And I think that's uh, a, a reasonable argument to take in, in account with a lot of things. Don't get mad, get even. And sometimes the best way of getting even is just by going out and performing and playing and proving everybody wrong, which hopefully we can do here on the podcast as well. But Matt, Joe, thank you for your time. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. And we'll be back uh, next week on the whatever date it is next week. And I mean, we're recording this on the Sunday. I, dates over Christmas all melded. The one is, it's what colour uh, quality street you're on, I think, is it by, by the time next week. I think we'll be on the big purple one by next week. But there we go. Anyway, all the best, everybody. Thank you for listening in, as we say. And uh, we'll say to our from the podcast. Yes.